Do you know what you're going to talk about? Yes. Are you going to be able to introduce yourself properly? I think so. I'm going to try team money. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Under any circumstances are you going to say that. If you say that, I swear to God, the entire operation gets shut down and you get sent home. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Pat. And Tim is back as well. Yes, um, as we alluded to in a couple of our previous episodes, me and Timothy are going to be doing one episode together on 4.30 in the morning. Ben is out of the studio. He was on his second honeymoon this week, so I think he did have a good time out there. So Tim is going to be filling in this week for uh, Ben on the podcast. This is episode number 83. Tim, do you have any football players for the number 83? None off the top of my head, no. Yeah, honestly, I couldn't say that I got one either. I think maybe Harrison Bryant's for the Browns might wear 83, but it's that, that's a weird number. Nobody really wants to wear 83. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a little bit different format today. Um, I don't think Timothy has any news stories like Ben does, but he does have some comments that he wants to make about our podcast. Now, Tim, you have been on the podcast before. You were featured on episode number 7 and 17. Yes. But it's been a while since you've been back on the show. It has. Now, you have listened to every episode, is that correct? Every episode, yes. Now, you said you had some feedback for us. I want to hear what kind of feedback you have before we get into some of these news stories. Uh, more just specific things you've talked about. Um, there was one news story you had a while back about a snake that was discovered that had four legs. Okay, yeah. That turned out to not actually be a snake. I think that was on... I can't remember what episode that was on. I think that was on the the, uh, the one with Gregor McGregor, the con artist. Okay. I think that was that episode. No, that just interested me because... There are snakes that have legs. All boas and all pythons have vestigial rear legs. Really? So I was actually interested to hear of a snake with four legs because that's not terribly out of the realm of possibilities. But why is it not a lizard? That's what we couldn't figure out. Oh, because lizards and snakes are just different things. Giving, Giving legs to a snake doesn't just make it a lizard. And there are other anatomical differences besides just lack of legs there are actually species of lizard that don't have legs they're legless lizards they slither similarly to snakes but they're still not snakes legless lizards yes kind of like the elf from lord of the rings kind of um anyways what other comments you got you got any more i've you came in like you were loaded up yeah um another reptile one you jesus christ did you have reptiles. you did yes i like reptiles uh you did have Kind of an argument about whether or not birds are reptiles. I remember that. Did being a thing. we? I don't remember that. I remember Ben questioning it. And yes, birds are indeed reptiles. Now, how is that a thing? Why is that a thing? It's that, that they're reptile. I'm. I don't know. Okay, um, I, ca- I can't articulate how, but they are. Okay, this episode's already falling apart. Now, if you are a zoology expert, I think Timothy is probably the strongest that I know. If you can explain this whole bird reptile thing, please. Tweet us at 30 and then let us know all about it. It's like snakes are a type of reptile, lizards are a type of reptile, crocodilians are a type of reptile, and birds are a type of reptile. Okay. All right. I guess we're just going to have to go with that. Yeah. What else you got, Tim? Um, your Harry Potter episode. Yes, that was a great episode. That's I, one of my favorites. I actually have something to add. Uh-oh. This is slightly controversial. You might end up cutting this. I don't know. But there's a character in the books by the name of Lavender Brown. She's, yes. She's featured in pretty much every book. However, J.K. Rowling never described what she looked like in any capacity. Tall, short, fat, nothing. She gave no explanation as to what she looked like. Oh. Now, in every Harry Potter movie, there has been an actress credited as playing the part of Lavender Brown. 
And through the first, I think it's five movies, it's always been a different actress credited as Lavender Brown. Really? Now, they've always had one thing in common. They've always been black. That was just something whoever cast for the Sorcerer's Stone decided, and they just kind of went with it. Until Half-Blood Prince, when Ron has his whole relationship with Lavender Brown, for that, they cast a white actress. So that sounds kind of racist on the part of Hollywood. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. I was um, wondering if that might be too spicy. I'm going to say shame on the casting director of Harry Potter. I can't watch that movie again. Anyways, I didn't know anything about that. That's really weird. Yeah, that's just something I came across I thought was interesting. Awesome. Now, any other comments you got? You seem no, like those you had a were, lot. No, those were my big ones. All right. Well, that's Tim's opinion on the show. Tim does listen to every episode, so we do kind of check in with Tim at least once a week to see uh, what we got going on, how stupid we are. I got a couple of news stories I'm going to bring to the table today. I'm not going to lie. This week, the last few weeks have been very difficult for me to get podcast material going. That being said, me and Ben are ready to go. We got a plan together. We're going to be getting some a lot more podcasts out shortly. I know Ben has really missed doing the show because we haven't been able to do it because he just got married. I've had a ridiculous summer, but we're going to get back into it. We got a lot of topics mapped out, um, but Tim's going to be helping us out for this. So, Tim, do you want to hear some new stories? Yes, I do. My first one is going to come from our favorite, UPI Odd News. Yes, that's our favorite. Overturned truck spills Bud Light onto Kentucky Highway. Hundreds of beer cans spilled onto a highway median when a truck carrying a load of Bud Light overturned on a ramp. Louisville Metro Police said that the truck overturned at 8.50 a.m. Wednesday while driving on Interstate 71 ramp to the Gene Snyder Freeway, which is coincidentally I did drive down that at one point. The truck spilled its load of Bud Light with most of the beer cans and boxes ending up on the median between the freeway and the ramp. Police tweeted the crash was a non-injury incident, and cleanup efforts were underway. Traffic response and incident management assisting the River City, or Trimark, said the right shoulder of the freeway was blocked during the cleanup efforts. So, could you imagine for a second, you're a first responder, yeah, and a bunch of beer spills out. Now, the law of averages dictates that some of those cans weren't destroyed. I was going to ask, how many survived? So, could you imagine if you're cleaning up all the beer and at the end you're just cracking one open? I would. Job well done, guys. I'm the next. Yeah, I'd do that. I thought that one was kind of funny. I did drive through Louisville. It is people don't understand how big of a city Louisville is. Like when you're driving into it, it's huge. It's like holy shit. It's like a metropolis. Anyways, did you bring any news stories today, Tim? No, I didn't. Do you have any news related items you want to comment on? No, I don't. Thank you for the participation. You're welcome. This is going to be a nightmare of an episode. It's probably our lowest lowest rated episode ever. Yeah, probably. Although we did have 24 people listen to the show over the last week, so that's pretty good. Yeah. I got one more from our favorite UPI, Odd News. Intoxicated bear rescued after eating hallucinogenic honey in Turkey. I heard about that one at work, actually. Really? You heard about this one at work? That's yeah. That's kind of funny. Were they just like bullshitting about it? Or yeah. What? Officials in Turkey said a young brown bear was rescued after being found disoriented and intoxicated from consuming a large amount of hallucinogenic honey. The Turkish Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry said the bear was found disoriented in Duzks province on Thursday and was captured by wildlife officials. The bear was examined by veterinarians and found to be intoxicated after ingesting a large amount of honey made from the nectar of an indigenous species of rhododendron. I feel like I know that word from somewhere. Rhododendron. R-H-O-D-O-D-E-N-D-R-O-N. Rhododendron. That's not something I've ever heard of. I feel like I saw that in the, in the spelling bee one time. Anyways, the honey known as mad honey contains grayano toxin, 
a neurotoxin that produces hallucinogenic effects when consumed by mammals. The ministry said the bear is in good health and will eventually be returned to the wild. It asked social media users to come up with a name for the intoxicated bear. So if you had to come up with a name for an intoxicated bear like this, what would you go what would you go with? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Winnie the Pooh. Benzo the bear. Benzo the bear, yeah. Now, does this have any relation to that bear in Russia who got high off the jet fuel that was stored in the forest? It didn't say in the article, but I wouldn't be surprised. You are not good at like the conversation no, shit. Are I'm not, you? I'm not. Anyways, do you have any more comments on any of those news stories, Tim? I don't, no. Alright, on to the main topic. What is our main topic today, Tim? The flat earth theory. Now, this is a topic that Timothy's wanted to talk about for a very long time. This is one that when we found out that Tim had to do one episode, this is probably going to be like the one episode we're actually going to be covering as a co-host. You really want to talk about this one. Now, this is going to be your episode. So explain to us what the flat earth theory is. The flat earth theory is the theory that the earth is not a sphere floating in space, but is rather a flat disc and nothing outside of the earth itself actually exists. Nothing actually exists? Yes. But we've gone to the moon. we got telescopes. Hoaxes. Hoaxes? Yes, that's what they'll claim. Now, before we get into this too deeply, we've mentioned the flat earth theory before on the show. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times. Timothy, are you a flat earther? No, I am not. Now, what would compel you to say otherwise? Um, indisputable proof that the earth is flat, which no one has or can provide. Now, what is indisputable? The face that Tim's making right now is pretty funny. I would say indisputable proof would be someone going to Antarctica, walking far enough south to actually touch the firmament, the bottom of the sky that comes down and meets the ground. Firmament? Yes. Is that what the bottom of the sky is? The sky is the firmament, and it's a dome basically like a snow globe. I don't know what any of these words mean. Okay. Basically, what flat earthers believe is the earth is a flat disk with the north pole in the center, and Antarctica is the ring around the circle. Okay. So north is pointed toward the middle of the circle, and south is pointed toward the edges of the circle. That's Uh, their world. Okay. And the sky is a solid dome that sits atop that world. And all the stars and planets and whatnot are simply just dots on that dome, which they sometimes call the firmament. The firmament. Now, what is underneath the earth, then? Nothing. So we're saying we live in a hemisphere? Yes. So it's not even a flat earth, it's a hemisphere. Essentially. Now... How did this theory get started? Now, we've always talked about how the ancients always believed that the earth was flat. But everything I'm reading says that that's bullshit. So that that was just a, there was an anti-Catholic propaganda that was propagated back in a time when nobody was educated. Pretty much. Um, the modern day flat earth theory pretty much finds its origin in a man named Samuel Robotham who published a book in 1865 titled Zetitic Astronomy, Earth Not a Globe. Uh, can you spell that for us, please? Zetitic, uh, Z-E-T-I-C-I-C, something along those lines. Okay. All right. So what does this book tell us? It tells us the earth is flat, and it describes it basically how I did a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, they're in all what I, I consider the flat earth theory to be a religion, because that's how people treat it. And in all religions, you have all these different sects that disagree with each other and have different ideas. And the same is with the flat earth theory. None of them really agree on what the earth is, how big it is, how far away the sun and moon are, or anything like that. Well, if the sun and moon don't exist... The sun and moon do exist in inside the dome, and they just fly in circles. Around in, the in, dome? Around the well, dome. Well, they can't fly in circles because that would imply that they're always visible. And that's one of the main issues with the flat earth theory. 
That's part of why okay. it's an awful theory. So you're saying there's a bunch of different sects. What kind of, like, do we have any information on some of these? Uh, some of them believe the dome is solid and it curves down to the ground. And if you go to Antarctica and you go far enough south in any direction that is south, you'll eventually hit a solid wall. A solid wall of ice. Now, there is rumor, at least. Now, I don't know how far into Antarctica they've gone. But there is rumor that there is a nice wall somewhere in Antarctica that they can't really get across or over. Yeah, and that's part of what the Flat Earthers will talk about is the great ice wall that you can't get off, get around. Now, to me, in terms of what I researched before, there is some sort of ice wall, correct? It's a glacier, essentially, yeah. But, so I guess that that's kind of where the whole thing kind of comes from is that there's Pretty a wall much. that you can't it's really a, get across. It's a large glacier. Now, I was doing some research on Antarctica. Have you ever researched Antarctica? Not a ton, just a little bit. What's the station, the research station, McMurdo, or... I couldn't tell you the name, no. Something like that. It's, um... Did you know they have up to a thousand people living there? I didn't, but that seems high. That's actually kind of cool. It's kind of high, and there there are two ATMs... Nice. ...on Antarctica. And it is like a little... There's like a little town, usually during the summertime or during the warm season, whatever the yeah. warm season is. Yeah. They got like up to a thousand people living there, and during the wintertime, it scales back to about 250... I don't know what's going on right now because I know that restrictions on Antarctica have been applied. Yeah. But there's like a little town, like a little functioning. It's a research facility, but it's essentially a town. The majority of people living down there aren't scientists or actually support personnel for the area. Yeah, that makes sense. It was kind of interesting to just kind of read about that a little bit. Didn't Metallica go down there and do a concert? And they're like the only band to do a concert on all seven continents. It wouldn't surprise me. That would be pretty cool. And there's also a, there's a disc golf course. There's really? one. Which I was kind of, I was, I'm sorry, I was researching the Flat Earth and I ended up watching shit on Antarctica yesterday. Yeah. So, um, There are other sects of the Flat Earth Society that do not believe the firmament is a dome. They think there is an infinite plane that is the ground and there's an infinite flat plane that is the sky. And that Antarctica encircles us, but you can go beyond it and there are other lands beyond Antarctica. And that people want to keep us ignorant of those lands so that they can mine them for resources. But that is based. <laughs> that but that. Any... But that whole theory is based on literally nothing. That doesn't make any sense at all. Exactly. So, so they're saying that there, there is an infinite universe, but instead of it going everywhere, it just goes in these two directions, yes. basically. Yes. Now that doesn't answer the question as to what's above and what's below. Basically, it would be heaven above, hell below for the religious ones, and nothing for the atheists. So ones. there's. So there. There are atheists. There are atheist sects yes. of... Most of them are devoutly Christian, but yes, there are atheist sects of the flat earth. Now, what the hell would make them devoutly Christian? I don't understand that. Basically, there are people who are Bible literalists, where every word in the Bible is actual literal truth as it's translated into English. Yeah, I've actually had more encounters with those types of people than I like to admit. Yeah. But, see, that doesn't make any sense either because it's translated. Their translation is perfect, according to them. So the translation of Hebrew to Greek to whatever the fuck is perfect. Yes, it makes zero sense. But even with that, there, is there anything in the world in the Bible that says the earth is flat? There's allusions to it, like in the story where Jesus was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by the devil. He said something about, I'll take you up to the highest mountain and you can look upon the four corners of the earth and every city within the earth. And they take that to mean, oh, well, you can't look at an entire sphere from one direction, so the earth must be flat. But why could that not be an illusion? Because it's literal. Everything is literal. Everything is literal. Yes. And if I can come back to Samuel Robotham for a second and his Zetitic astronomy... You're running the discussion, so you can come back to whatever the hell you want to. 
basically zetitic philosophy is the only instruments of measurement you can ever trust are your own five senses. So if you cannot see it, if you cannot taste it, if you cannot touch it, it doesn't exist. So telescopes are meaningless. Measurement tools are meaningless. It's all your own eyes. Where the hell does that theory come from? Did he just come up with that shit? Yeah, he just made it up. Really? Yep. And people go along with it. That doesn't even make any sense. Because that would that would assume object permanence. Would it not? Or the absence of object permanence. Yeah, that would assume the absence of, of object permanence. Now, if I can talk about some of the workarounds flat earthers come up with to uh, argue their points. Basically, if you show them a sunrise and a sunset, how can that happen if the earth is flat and if the sun is just flying in the sky above in circles? They'll talk about perspective and atmospheric distortions and how if something goes far away, it looks like it's going down to the horizon. <laughs> atmospheric distortions? Yes. And they still use the word atmosphere, even though it's not a sphere to them. That's silly because atmos... I can't say the word sphere. Sphere? I can't say that one. Atmospheric distortion. So why wouldn't it be an atmosphere? I did come across one single YouTube video years ago where this chick eschewed the word atmosphere and instead called it the Atmo plane for the entire video. So this chick was serious about this? Yes. How many of these people are out there? Um, the Flat Earth Society has thousands of members. Now, how many of them are genuine and how many are internet trolls, you can't really tell. See, that's my, I guess that's my biggest issue with a Flat Earth Theory, and that's, why, that's the reason why I've hesitated to discuss it for so long, is because you really, I can't even find like an actual legitimate Flat Earth community anymore. It exists. There's, they have conventions and whatnot, and some of these people are just insane. And I guess the other issue too, the reason, the other reason why I didn't want to bring this one up, and I know that it is kind of interesting to get into the theories, but it's very easy just to point at that group and just like, these are fucking idiots. But yeah. it's usually the dumbest people in society that are just constantly pointing their finger at them and just be like, yeah, you're a flat earther. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is in more interesting to get into actually like their, their logic for believing what they do and how they come up with all this shit. Yeah. I love conspiracy theory groups. I love just researching just the nonsense that people develop over time. So that's kind of why I kind of like at least researching it, even though I don't, obviously I don't buy into it. I buy into the hollow earth theory a lot quicker than I will the, the flat earth theory. Yeah. Now, what else do you have for this discussion? What else you got? I just wanted to talk a little bit about some people who try to refute the flat earth. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson has had tweets where he's posted a picture of the solar system, you know, sun, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, all the way down. And they're all spheres except earth is a flat disk. And he's like, yep, because this makes sense. And that, yeah, sure, that doesn't make sense. But if you actually listen to what a flat earther says, difficult as that may be, they don't believe space exists. So to put their flat earth in space orbiting the sun, it makes it look more, well, it makes it look ridiculous, but in a different way than what it really is. And it's fundamentally misunderstanding what they're saying, if I, that makes sense. Yeah, and that does make sense. And the other thing, too, that kind of kills me about Neil deGrasse Tyson in particular is if he's this great academic mind, why is he wasting his time with this fringe, the, the fringiest of fringe theory that has no evidence? I mean, you would think that if he was actually like a legitimate, like like a hard ass, and I'm not saying he's not smart, but if he were dedicating his time more properly, he'd be fighting off the things that do make sense. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think like, he's, I think he's a showman. I think you know, he he definitely has credentials. He's a smart person. I think he does let his ego get the better of him. Like talking about low hanging fruit, though. I mean, yeah. I I just I don't understand 
why people get, uh, I mean, at least we're doing a discussion where we're at least analyzing the history behind the theory and all this other shit. Just making fun of it outright or just posting all that shit. To me, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. I like the, I like debate. I like the process of arguing your point. Sure. And I think talking about the flat earth theory is a very good case study in how to properly debate and a lot of ways of how not to debate because they make a lot of just logical fallacies in their arguments but a lot of people who argue against them also make a lot of logical fallacies and i like pinpointing that seeing what they're saying and what they could say to argue their point better yeah and i kind of like that i i agree with that and i kind of like that aspect of it too because we see that a lot in a lot of different things and we're not going to get controversial on this episode but you see that a lot in just things that come down from a governmental body or whoever. And it's like they're using the same type of flawed logic that people like the flat earthers are. Yep. But since it comes from the more established, the more established, whatever, the more established the, authority. Yeah, the authority. It's it's not questioned as quickly, even though you should be applying the same critical thinking skills against that type of thing. You should be applying it universally. You should have to analyze things consistently. Yep. And what happens... And the biggest, the biggest argument that the flat earthers make that I agree with as a logical fight is you can't just depend on an appeal to authority to make all your decisions, if that makes any sense. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that's the one thing that the flat earthers do well, is they don't go with the appeal to authority in terms of their theory. As ridiculous as it is, and as many as difficult as it is to accept for anybody, at least they don't fall into that trap. And you see a lot of people that fall into that trap because, oh, well, this scientist said this, so I have to go with it. Or this expert said this, or this person, this leader, whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. So to me, that's a, it. And I'm not. I'm never going to be a flat earther because it doesn't make any sense to me as I understand the world. But a lot of times, people do don't understand the or have an understanding, but then the right person says the right thing, and all of a sudden it distorts their understanding. To me, that that appeal to authority fallacy is the one that that gets a lot of people in trouble. Yeah, I agree with that. And it gets a lot of people in trouble, especially in like, even in like corporate world, it's like, oh, well, corporate says this, so this is what we must do without understanding the fact that maybe they don't understand the full situation. We can't just have a blanket hammer down opinion as to this is our policy, this is how we enforce it. There can be no exceptions. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see that at work, you see that in the media, you see that in the government, you see that everywhere. So I, th- I think the issue is... That in the corporate sector, if people disagree, they risk their job. And so they're going to, even if they have a bad feeling, even if they don't agree, they'll still go along with it. And then they get in the habit of doing that. And then they start applying it to other authorities in their life. Well, you see that in the corporate sector, but I think it's much stronger and much more powerful in the public sector. Absolutely. With news and media. Well, and... not even news and media. I'm talking government officials. Okay. Look at the, the, the creation of bureaucracy. Yeah. Most government jobs, especially most bureau- bureaucratic jobs, are very, very easy. A lot of, most of them are unionized. It's very difficult. Once you get that job, they get fired and it's very low effort. Yeah. So are you going to buy into something if your boss is a politician that might not make any sense? Are you more likely to buy into that if your 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 life's gonna be easy until you retire? Probably. That's what we're. That's what we always end up seeing, and that's another issue too. And then that's why you have to be very skeptical when you see government bureaucracies increase in size. Yeah. You have to have that in mind. That of course every bureaucratic department wants a budget increase. We saw that at. In 1993, with Waco, ATF went after the Branch, Branch Davidians. The Branch Davidians. Because 
of what they wanted a budget increase. Yep. They're Janet more- Reno wanted she was in charge of the the, the the area though. She was what the attorney general back then. Yeah. She was going to give a stamp of approval on an operation that was going to be a big score. A bunch of people got killed because ATF wanted the budget increase because they wanted FBI power. Yep. You have to think about that. And people don't think about that as quickly. You look at the IRS right now. The IRS is getting amplified beyond belief. They're doubled. They doubled the IRS budget. Agents, IRS agents now are being trained to use deadly force. <laughs> think about that for a second. So the people whose job is money are now trying to be SWAT teams. And- it's not it's not everybody. It's not everybody. Well, but the IRS yeah. is gonna have a the IRS has divisions that are practicing raids on middle class homes right now. So they're not gonna cooperate with local authorities. They're just gonna do it themselves. Yes. That's what the federal government does. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a crime scene where FBI has been involved? Not personally in real life, no. FBI is always in charge. If the feds come in, they're running the show. It's just it's how it is. I've seen that in movies and TV. For I actually sure. did. I, I did see it once around here. Really? Yeah. There was. There's a. There's a. It's not that far from here, but obviously, it's an. It's a clearly. It's a clearly shady. Shady establishment. Yeah. That we knew there was multiple things going on there, and they got busted, and it was, the FBI was running the show when I drove by. So they have the FBI. The FBI jackets. Yeah. But you got to think about that for a second. So. When you have that type of structure, and it just layers upon layers of bureaucracy, essentially, it's tougher to question something that comes down. Now, obviously, when we get back to Flat Earth, because we kind of swung very far away from that, but when we get back to Flat Earth, there is none of that structure holding up the Flat Earth. The most structure you're going to see in most of these people is religion, Yep. is a church. Yep. And most churches, even if they don't agree, definitely don't disagree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter, because again, what keeps a church going? Money. Money more than anything else. So, I kind of went on a tangent with all that. Now, do you have any more flat earth theories with that? Um, If I can just do a little bit of explaining why their whole disc theory just doesn't work and it doesn't make sense. Yes, go ahead. In real life, let's say you have three individuals. One is in south, the southern tip of South America. One is in the southern tip of South Africa. One is in southern Australia. They all look due south. On the same night, they're going to see the same stars. Now, it's not going to be night in all those places, but if they're looking in the same area, they're going to see the same sky and the same stars. Wait a second. Can you give me those geographic locations again? Southern tip of South America, southern tip of South Africa, and Australia. Correct. Now, at least least two of those three will have night at the same time, depending on where things are. And they should see basically the same stars. And they will see the same stars. Now, in different but locations, I'm assuming, correct? Slightly different locations, okay. but right. they're still facing south. Got it. However, on a flat earth, the way they depict their map, although there's variations depending on who you're talking to, all three of those locations are pointing in three completely opposite directions from each other. Sure. So how can they see the same stars? Okay. I, I understand what you're saying with this one. It's like the flat earth theory only really works in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, that I don't think really gets understood, is that the Earth isn't really a sphere, it's more of a potato. Yeah. And there's a lot more, I think there's more going on in the Northern Hemisphere, where it's a lot more condensed up there's, here. There are a lot more land masses above water in the Northern Hemisphere than there are in the Southern Hemisphere. And in the Southern Hemisphere, even though it's technically a sphere and it looks like it, it looks closer on a globe, it really is a little bit farther apart. A little bit. Now, the thing is, yes, there are variations. The southern hemisphere has more mass in it than the northern hemisphere. But even so, the Earth is a more perfect sphere 
than anything humans can create. Like if you take a billiard ball, like a cue ball, and you expand it to the size of the earth, it'll have mountains 10 times higher and valleys 10 times deeper, and it'll be far less perfect than the earth is. Because the more... Now, ma- is that the earth with a land mass and you get rid of the atmosphere? Yes. Really? Because the more mass an object has, the higher gravity it has, the more uniformly it'll pull together into a sphere. I guess that does make sense. So a, so a planet with twice the mass of the Earth, a rocky planet, will have shorter mountains and shallower oceans. Now, why are you not teaching, like, geology in a college or something? Because I don't want to go to school to do that. I'd rather sit and work on furnaces. My geology professor would be like, Tim is the greatest thing that we've ever seen. He's the greatest gift to our science. But my problem is I get surface-level knowledge of stuff. I impress people in a first conversation, but once you actually start to get deep into things is when I start to lose it. So you've got knowledge that's a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Anyways, do you have any more comments on the flat earth theory today? No, that was really about it. All right, and the flat earth theory, it's it's a complicated subject. Obviously, we went on a couple of tangents with that discussion. But it's hard not to. Yeah, it is. If if you have a curious mind and an open mind, not to basically, I I want my mind to be changed, but I just want to understand what they're thinking. The flat earth theory is interesting to research. You you can research it without being a flat earther. You can talk about it without being a flat earther. Immediately condescending it without having anything. Oh, at least I'm not a flat earther. You're just admitting that you're an idiot, basically. So I thought that was a pretty interesting discussion. Now, you and I, we do have a a few more things we got to get into today before we wrap this one up. This might be end up being a little bit shorter of an episode, but we'll, we got, we got some topics. So you turned me on to an internet trend within the last couple of weeks. And this is a weird one. This is called stealth camping. Tim, can you please tell us what stealth camping is? Now this is a YouTube trend. You can search it on YouTube. Just type in stealth camping. You're going to find a guy. It's what camping with Steve or something. Something like that. Yeah. And this guy's a Canadian that does, has the weirdest, possibly one of the weirdest hobbies that I've ever discovered before. Basically, this guy likes to camp in places where you're not really supposed to camp. Like, he'll go into a very odd location, usually within a city. Like, my favorite video, the first one I showed Pat, was he camped inside a roundabout. Like, you had a roundabout in the street, and it had a lot of bushes and foliage enough to kind of keep a person covered, and he snuck inside there, set up a little campsite, and camped overnight. Okay, so it it is as ridiculous as it sounds. Yes, and his whole thing is, I don't know if Canada is much different from America, but he seems very paranoid about people seeing him and calling the cops, and I think that thrill is part of what drives him. I don't know if, if that's necessarily the case. I understand thinking that. Maybe it is, maybe it is. I really don't know. But it, it's a ridiculous concept. So this guy who operates as a borderline, not schizophrenic, borderline maybe on the spectrum a little bit, but I wouldn't even say that, honestly. He has paranoid tendencies. There's something off with him where he's paranoid. And his videos are, usually they're pretty well produced, but it's basically him discussing a place that he found that he wants to camp. So what he does is usually he brings the tent. Usually he cooks a food. Almost every episode he either cracks open a beer or he drinks a glass of wine before he gets ready to go. But it's always in a public area. Now, the roundabout one was a good one because number one, he had to get he had to figure out a way to get himself in there with all his gear without arousing suspicion. Without <laughs> arousing suspicion, which is it, it's funny to watch. Is it not funny to watch? Oh, it's incredibly entertaining. And so he ends up 
at this roundabout, and I don't know what the hell he was doing, but then they don't have, like, police. They got, like, the Mounties, but they got, like, other shit going on over there. And somebody pulled up, and it's like, oh, he's going to question me. He's going to question me. He's going to question me. I got to come up with a story as of what I'm doing out here. Oh, I'm just standing here looking at birds. That's what I have to tell him. I'm yeah, just looking at the birds. Usually his go-to response is that he's looking at birds or he's a wildlife expert or he's looking at flowers or something. But he ends up setting himself up, and then he camps. And that's pretty much the video. I mean, it's pretty much what they are. But it is kind of it is kind of funny. It's funny seeing how paranoid this guy gets. He always drinks a beer, and I think he drinks a beer just to calm his nerves. Yeah. And he had a fire fiasco in the one episode where he he, <laughs> he lit his stove on fire. So yeah, the stealth camping that one's a little bit different. Um, do you have any more you want to add to that one? There was one episode I thought was kind of funny where he had three friends with him and. You know, he has his typical ritual of having a beer or two, but when his three friends showed up, it showed them unpacking the truck and they had multiple cases of beer. And I just thought that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny, yeah, because that's what I would do. I'd bring like a full case out. If I'm stealth camping, I'm drinking a full case just to calm the nerves because you don't know who's going to who's gonna find you. Yeah. Now, my biggest question, and obviously Canada's a little bit different. I feel like in the U.S., you'd wake up dead. Like, you'd get stabbed or you get shot or you get robbed or something. Depends on where you're at. Um, I don't know if that's something I do in the U.S., but he's up there in, like, bear country sometimes. Yeah. Like, stealth camping, like, underneath a billboard, but, like, there's, like, the threats of bears or some shit. The one time he did one where he, he, he was so paranoid about camping out at a police station. And he's like, it's like, there's, like, big-ass woods back there. It's like, no one's ever gonna go back there. No one's ever gonna find you, dude. He was camping in a hammock. It's not like they're gonna see that. And he was like, oh, man, uh, I gotta have my story straight. And because the, the cops are gonna come arrest me. And it's like, what, what are you doing, dude? What, what is going on? But he claims to be a functioning citizen. No, I have never actually seen his wife in any of these videos. I don't know if you have. No, she's never she's never featured. And any time she's kind of in it like she's driving, he makes a point. He kind of makes a point to not show her. Yeah, I would be embarrassed too if I were married to that guy. But um, and then the other topic we had to discuss real quick. Me and Tim grew up playing this board game called HeroScape. Yes, we did. And it's coming back. I am very excited about that. Now, are you going to start painting miniatures now? I might. I have some free time now. I've, you know, I'm working a new job. I'm 40 hours a week, and that's about that. So I, I'll have free time. I'm gonna, I'm looking to set up myself as well to start painting a little bit. Heroescape is the coolest game of all time. That's a big reason why me and Timothy are nerds. We've been nerds for a long time. We have played with Ben before. We played with Josh more than we have played with Ben, but Ben has played with us before. It's basically this really nerdy board game. It's like a tabletop miniature game. And you got to build the board. It's not like one flat board. It's these plastic hexagons that interlock in the sides and they stack on top of each other and you build the battlefield. Yep. So it's it's labeled as the battle of all time. The new label is the age of annihilation. And it is pretty cool because, I mean, you're playing with these little miniatures, but it's, it's simple to understand. It's like a lot of these games where it's like it takes you a year to learn the rules. Because that's, that's the biggest issue with these miniatures games especially is... Unless you're, like, a high school kid that doesn't have to do a lot of homework, you're never going to have time to learn any of this shit, let alone play it. You know what I mean? And with HeroScape, it's cool. You can watch two people play, and in a handful of turns, you know how to play. You know how to play. Yeah, it's very easy to pick up. So Hasbro, I think, is the company that creates it. I think it's getting published on the Avalon Hill brand this time, which is a little bit different. Avalon Hill carries Axis and Allies, I think. I didn't know that. Avalon Hill? I thought they carried Axis and Allies. They might, but that's not something I knew. Avalon Hill is a little bit more of a miniatures. It's a little bit more of a complicated board game. One thing I have not talked about on the podcast at all is how much I know about the board gaming industry. I'm like an expert on it. That's my biggest dream is I would love to be like a business manager for a board game company. You would help them just 
sell their products to stores in a smart way so that they're not wasting things. Yeah, that's one thing I can do. I'm really good at understanding who can play a game, who the market is, and who's going to buy it. Because the thing with board games is, let's face it, not everyone's going to play. Yeah. But there are a lot of games that a lot of people would play if they were exposed to it properly. My biggest gripe with the board game industry and the biggest reason why I don't play as much as I do is, for some reason, I don't get along with nerds. I just don't. I've I've, found nerds tend to be elitist, and I just don't like elitists. I can't stand that. And I've I've gone to a lot of, like, back when I was in college, I went to a lot of the board game groups just because I had to try it out. Yeah. I could only go to like one meeting and I'd be like, I can't, I can't go back. I can't deal with these people. And a lot of them are like, <laughs> it's like, it is a really weird group. And I'm probably isolating part of the audience, but I don't care. A lot of these, these hardcore nerds are just like, like if you show up wearing a baseball hat, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're a dumb jock. You know what I mean? Yeah. I cannot stand that demographic. So that's my biggest issue with the, with the nerdy, the nerdy. And I like playing games. Like I like playing D and D. I like playing a lot of games. I gave up on magic, which is a good thing, but. I just can't deal with the people. Like, I can't go to the game stores and play with them because they're going to end up kicking me out, like, immediately. Yeah. Or I'm going to bust one of their asses, you know what I mean? You're too well-rounded of an individual for that specific niche group. I'm I'm not even well-rounded. I'm just more normal, I guess. Oh, you're even more well-rounded than I am. Well, you got more skills. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm really excited that HeroScape's coming back. It's going to be more expensive. The thing with HeroScape is you got, back when that came out, that came out in 2004, was when that game started. I don't know if you knew that. I knew that, yes. You paid $40 for a bigger board game box than most families ever saw before. And more shit in that box and more cool shit in that box than you've ever seen in a board game before. This time around, the Master Sets are going to be 100 bucks. Yeah. That just is what it's going to be. Yeah. But I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm paying it. I'm getting a couple sets, at least, when it comes out. But it's such a fun game. It's so, it's so accessible. It's so easy to teach. And it's cool. Like, it doesn't matter how well you know the game, there's always going to be depth going on. There's always going to be something going on. Anything can happen. That's why I really like it. I think it's a perfect... If it wasn't so... If it didn't take up so much space, number one, if it wasn't... So labor-intensive to set up and tear If it wasn't labor-intensive to set up and turn down, it would be almost a perfect game. It's something... It would be almost perfect to have a room in your house dedicated to HeroScape that always has a map built. Because... And the cool thing with this game is it's like... You've got different factions across everything. Like, say you like Lord of the Rings. Well, guess what? There's elves in this game. There's orcs in this game. There's dwarves in this game. There's a lot of things that you're going to feel familiar with. Even if it's not Legolas and Aragorn, it's things that feel like that. But then you've also got robots. If you like Star Wars, you got robots. you got tons and tons. There's three different factions that have robots attached to them. There's history. And then you There's, got history. You got samurai. You got Roman legion. You got You've red got, coats. You got revolutionary war soldiers. You got World War II soldiers. Shit, you got futuristic people. You got the, the Matrix people. Yeah. And it's not branded as such, although there is a Marvel expansion where there is actually the Hulk and Spider-Man and Iron Man. It's actually them fighting, but that's a little bit different of a story. But there's just such a cross-section of shit. You got dragons flying around. It looks really cool. It just looks cool. You can have an army of redcoats and werewolves and a dragon and Matrix people all on the same team. Yeah, fighting against whoever, basically. And that's what that's what kind of makes it so cool is you know you just don't know like the cowboys for example the cowboys are the coolest people because they're all different they don't really work together but yeah. it's like but how many cowboys really would work together exactly. a lot of them are lone rangers yeah 
And then um, you got you got all sorts of shit going on. But the other thing, too, with that game that to me is really cool is you can buy terrain and you can mix and match. And everything, every single aspect of that game mixes and matches well. So you can buy two master sets. Well, guess what? I got double the units and double the terrain. You can build one huge map with the terrain. You, build, you can build the map yourself, even though there are a lot of layouts. I've used layouts before where it tells you where to put the terrain pieces. But you can build up like a huge-ass forest. You can build a huge-ass castle. You can build a volcano. A pond, a river, a glacier. You can have a a volcano and a glacier coming together and creating a river. Like You can build whatever the fuck you want. Swamp. Yep. Jungle. So, but it's also really cool. You can can set up a small map and play it on a coffee table. And still have basically the same experience. In a nutshell, as if you were to cover up. You could cover up a ping pong table worth of a map. And have a huge battle with... Like eight players. It's the all the same. It's all the same thing going on. The first time Patrick and I were introduced to HeroScape, the map was on the floor, and it was so big we couldn't physically reach the middle. Of it. Yeah, like we were like standing, like we had to like reach all the way through, and so like you couldn't move through the middle of the map because you couldn't get your figure through there. And it's not like like the I would say the tiles like one hex is like a golf ball size maybe a little over a square inch. Yeah, it's not like it's huge, but you can build up huge things with it. Which is really cool. But the game system itself, like, it's designed, like, it's not that complicated. Just basic math, basic reading. It's all you really need to play. So, yeah, so I'm excited that they're bringing that game back. The only drawback is that it's going to be unpainted miniatures this time, but the tiles are going to be painted. But it sounds like it's going to be fully compatible with the old stuff, which is kind of cool. And it is cool It is cool to see. Now, HeroScape got released before the board game boom happened. Because board games, I don't know if you know this, Tim, board games have just, like, shot through the roof. I kind of In popularity, figured. which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool because I kind of like board games because there is a little bit more of a human element to playing a board game as opposed to a video game. Yeah. But um, the, the industry itself, within, like, the last five or six years, has really taken off. Now, we were kind of... I got into it before then, so we were kind of playing games that ended up getting really popular before they got popular, if that makes any sense. It does. But... um. I'm excited to see it. I'm happy to see it. I'm gonna, I'm and I'm happy I'm in a position where I can just throw money at it. So, anyways, any more comments today, Tim? I actually did think of one thing I wanted to talk about. This is animal related, complete left field. Okay. Do you know the definition of a panther? Baker Mayfield. No. A panther is actually not a species of cat. It's a group of species. A panther panthers consist of lions, tigers, jaguars leopards and a few others basically the big cats that can roar are panthers and so any of those cats that have the melanonic melanomic whatever that skin condition is that makes their skin dark any cat that's a tiger lion jaguar will be a black panther now that's most typically jaguars because that trait is actually dominant in them but if you have a tiger that's all black, that tiger is a black panther. Same thing with a lion, whatever. There are no panthers in North America. Yes, there are. There is one in near Cedar Point. No. There are big cats. There are cougars. But cougars, although t- cougars typically called mountain lions, a lot of people call them panthers. They are not panthers. They are felines. They are a slightly different type of cat. They cannot roar. They are not panthers. Even if there was a cougar that had that melanomic condition and was all black, it would be a black feline. It would not be a black panther. Now, what is a lynx? I believe those are the felines. Okay. Basically, panthers are the biggest of the big cats, and they're the big cats that can roar. Gotcha. Now, any more comments on any animals or any whatever the nope. fuck you got? Nope, that was it. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. What are you, would you say you're happy with what you produced? I am. We were all over the place, but I had fun. 
It is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. Ben will be back in the studio hopefully soon. I'm going to try to get this one up as quickly as possible. This is episode number 83. This is the Tim episode. It might end up being a hit. It's probably not going to be a hit. It'll be everyone's least favorite episode. But I'm, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you for coming into the studio and doing this. Thanks today. for having me. I appreciate it. Um, ben appreciates it too. He says thank you. So we'll, we'll be hearing Ben again next week. Maybe I'll be able to work in a Ben outtake from an old episode just so that people can hear Ben because they like to hear him. And they're going to miss him. They are going to miss him. I so, miss him. Um, please tweet us at 30 in the please comment on Facebook. Are you tweeting us or are you commenting on Facebook, Tim? I don't have Twitter or Facebook. Okay, well, he's not helping us out. But if you are out there, please tweet us at 30 in the please uh, post on Facebook. Please let us know what you guys think about the episode. Don't judge us on this one. This one, it was a good episode. I think it's going to be, it's going to turn out okay. But uh, Ben will be back in the studio next week. And we're going to have Timothy back soon as a guest. I hope to get the studio set up so I can have multiple people in the studio. Timothy's a very good expert. He's very good at chiming in and letting us know when we're being stupid because it seems to happen quite a bit. Um, on that note, thank you guys for listening. Tim, can you please thank the audience? Thank you, audience. I appreciate you being here. And that's all we're going to say today. So, peace. He always drinks a beer. And I think he drinks a beer just to calm his nerves. Yeah. And he had a fire fiasco in the one episode where he he, <laughs> he lit his stove on fire. <laughs> you're allowed to, Tim, you're allowed to laugh. God. Don't tell me how to laugh. So, yeah, the stealth camping, that one's a little bit different. After being found disoriented and intoxicated from consuming a large amount of hallucinogenic honey, hmm. the Turkish cat, the Turkish cat, the Turkish Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry said the bear was found disoriented in Dusk's province on Thursday and was captured by wildlife officials. So, rules of the studio. Um, don't do anything stupid. Um, don't make any noise. Try to be as silent as possible. Um, don't fall down. Don't trip. Watch your feet at all times. If this display goes out, alert me immediately. If this display goes out, or if anything looks wrong on the screen, alert me immediately. Okay. Because me and Ben recorded one one time, and we didn't, I don't know if we told you about this. And it cut out. It cut out halfway and... through, and we had to come back and re-record. Yeah. So that wasn't fun. Do you know what you're going to talk about? Yes. Are you going to be able to introduce yourself properly? I think so. I'm going to try T-Money. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Under any circumstances are you going to say that. If you say that, I swear to God, the entire operation gets shut down and you get sent home. Okay. Hopefully that's not your motive. No. No, you want to, you want to do it. You want to do it. No, this episode. is fun. I want to do this. All right. Are you ready? We may as well just get right into it. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 430 in the morning. Your boy Ben is not here, but Pat's here today. And who else is with me? Uh, your brother, Tim. God. We're, we're not doing that. That, was, that wasn't good. Okay. What do you want me to say?